and the problem with the hoteling with the desks is I don't like to plop at somebody's desk who's not here. They're like, well, she's not here today. You can just sit there. Yeah, what's wrong, what's wrong nah, with man, that? No, man, that's like somebody, that's like an Airbnb. That's somebody else's house. You don't have to use their stuff. You don't right. have to use their coffee they don't cup. They the kids staring back at me. They got pictures <laughs> up. Like. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. It's about 6.12 on this Monday morning. Sorry, Tuesday. Cost you a day. President Joe Biden visits Milwaukee tomorrow. Still waiting on details of the visit, right? Timing and destinations and such, what his itinerary is. Sounds like more of a morning visit, so it could be mid-morning when you have the arrival and whatnot, but still trying to get our arms around all those details and logistics. Update this morning in the car that crashed into the president's motorcade late Sunday night. Yeah, that was the sound, and you heard the president's reaction as the vehicles were staged outside his re-election campaign headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware. Happened about a half a block from where the president yeah. was standing. yeah. So he and the first lady, the first lady had gone before him, was already in the waiting SUV. And we uh, had wondered why it seemed to take so long for Secret Service to get POTUS into the beast and get out of there. No, but for on social media and there are copious amounts of reactions similar to (laughs) to that. But I don't see this really being talked about. Like, I guess Secret Service asked and answered. Nope, everything's fine. Yeah, we weren't worried about it. Okay, well, you and I were, yes, and so are legions on social media. Nonetheless, um, we do have a little bit more information on the driver of the car that slammed into um, that Secret Service vehicle. Here's ABC's Karen Travers. Police in Wilmington, Delaware, say they have determined that last night's accident involving President Biden's motorcade was a, quote, accidental collision. The 46-year-old Wilmington man who was driving the sedan that crashed into an SUV that was part of the motorcade has been charged with driving under the influence of alcohol and inattentive driving. President Biden was speaking to reporters when the crash happened. He appeared to be startled, and then Secret Service agents hustled him into his SUV. The White House says the president and first lady were both fine. Karen Travers, ABC News. Washington. So there you go. Drunk driving crash. President's motorcade was not deliberately targeted. So maybe they were reading the room. Maybe they, you know, it wasn't a room. I get it. But they they knew what was happening before we could see it on the video, obviously. Right? It was suggested on the old National Bank talk and text line. Got a couple of responses to that. Someone who said uh, he's a war veteran and was around security situations. And he's like, look, you're trained to know the difference between a gunshot and a car crash and whatever. And while I grant you that. It's still a large sound. Yeah, I, right? I was. Yeah, and who knows? Who knows what? <laughs> right. Who knows what's next? What was the that motivation the crash is yeah. before whatever was supposed to come next, or what? A, Just take care of the president, please. <laughs> didn't look like a good showing by <laughs> right. the Secret Service. Six fourteen on Wisconsin's Morning News. Sports is coming up next. It's sponsored by Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. Retire well with Kowal. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The 6-8 Green Bay Packers playoff chances took a hit on Sunday afternoon with the team's second straight loss. A day after the Tampa Bay Bucks beat the Packers at Lambeau Field, head coach Matt LaFleur was able to take a long look at his team's Week 15 performance, noting it wasn't an easy review. What's disappointing is when you go out there and it's basic concepts doesn't matter what phase but basic install like day one install and we have self-inflicted communication errors and guys quite frankly not in the right spot i mean that's that's tough to watch lafleur was also asked in his (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's tough to watch. Indeed, Day coach. one. <laughs> Day one right. stuff. How many times did he use the word basic? Like Basic, yeah. day one. It's like week 16 or whatever we are. None of that is good. He was also <laughs> asked about the watch. future of his defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, saying he will remain the team's defensive coordinator for now. Because I've seen us execute this stuff before. So, uh, you know, it just it's unfortunate that it happened at this time of the year in such a, a, an important game. Um, and I, But I've seen us execute it earlier in the year. And Does that make you feel better? You've seen Joe Barry, Vinny, uh, be a, it worked have a, couple a good times defense. This year, worked so a few times, so why not? We'll keep him on. Fingers so. crossed, yeah. you know, it might work again. Barry's safe for now in these last few weeks as the Packers head out to Carolina on Sunday afternoon. Over to the hardwood where the 19-7 and Milwaukee Bucks are back to work tonight and will look to make it 14 straight home wins tonight at Pfizer Forum when they get get set to host the San Antonio Spurs. The Bucks have won their last five games, and according to head coach Adrian Griffin, it's a team that is just starting to figure things out. Everyone's starting to become more comfortable with, with each other, and Dame and Giannis playing well with each other. You know, sometimes it's a challenge. For instance, last night, uh, no Chris, and then but Dave stepped up, you know, both nights he stepped up. Giannis, uh, you know, you always count on those guys. The Spurs have ruled out rookie phenom Victor Webinyama for tonight's game. He is out with an ankle injury. Tip-off tonight is set for 7 p.m. You can tune in right here on your home of the Bucks, WTMJ, for full coverage. We'll get you get get you ready going at 6 p.m. with Bucks shoot around. And lastly, the sixth-ranked Marquette Golden Eagles are back in action tonight as they are in the road in Providence for the start of their Big East play. The Golden Eagles are winners of their last three and will look at look to make it four with a 7.30 tip time tonight. Coverage will get rolling over on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee beginning at 7 p.m. I love these terms that we've created for people in the workforce or actions that people are taking. You've heard of quiet quitting right, or quiet quitters, different things like sure, that. Sure, sure. I got a new one for you. Coffee badging. <laughs> Great. Are you guilty of this? That is coming up next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Wisconsin's morning news on this Tuesday morning. So, new term to describe our increasingly dysfunctional workforce. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Uh, Come on. We talked about quiet quitting before. That's where you resolve to do the the absolute bare minimum at work, basically daring your employer to fire you. And oftentimes, I don't think you ever even get fired. (laughs) No, you don't. That's actually a theme here in terms of what does the boss actually notice around the office or the managers? So new trend emerging as we increasingly get to requiring in-office attendance at work post-pandemic. I'm still surprised at how slow this has been to come back. Nonetheless, they, they, we're even still talking about it. I thought everybody was back. But there are more oh, and more no. hybrid situations, right, where you work a couple days in the office. I think for some, it's a perk. Yeah. It's a perk that companies are offering. So this is called coffee badging. of hybrid workers are doing this, according to a study by Owl Labs in Boston. In short, those who are allowed the flexibility of some work from home time, so we call them hybrids. So you do some, maybe some days at home or part of your day, every day is is at home, and then some in-office time is still required. These folks are spending as little time as humanly possible in the office. Frank Weishaupt is CEO of Owl Labs, a company that conducted the study, talking with Fox Business here. 
Coffee badging is when employees show up to the office for enough time to have a cup of coffee, show their face, and get a badge swipe, then go home and do the rest of their work. <laughs> so in other words, okay, Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're required to be in the office, okay? Eric, we need you to come to the office. Every Tuesday, every Thursday, you are in, okay. in person here at work. So if I were to show, I just got to make an appearance. I got to make it look like you right. think I'm working here yes. by what? Just showing up and getting some coffee? Yeah, so you're there, you know, like, hey, does anybody know did Eric come in? I saw him at the coffee thing. Yeah. He was there getting coffee this morning. Sure he was, yeah. So you come in, you beep, you know, you swipe your badge in. So in case oh, they ever check your records, <laughs> that's, that's where you name. get the badge okay. in. Beep. Um, Eric was here today, obviously, came in at 8.57 a.m., right on time. Good for E. Yeah, I saw him around. He was talking to some people. Yeah, I talked to him earlier. Having some of the coffee cake? But then as soon as you're seen, <laughs> you go home. You leave and but, then do the rest of your then stuff you, oh, But you crank at home. You do your work at home. Well, you may or may not. I don't know. <laughs> Eventually, this is going to be noticed. So how are they getting away with it, right? Yes, that's my How are you getting question. away with this big ruse? Uh, again, Weiss hopped again. People at all levels of companies and organizations are busy with their own jobs. They don't have time to keep tabs on everyone else's whereabouts. Some people do. There's a lot of people that sit and audit everyone else's work. If a coffee badger doesn't have any in-person meetings or a desk near the boss, the person might not be missed. <laughs> Our data shows that about... Here's, here's another reason they're getting away with it. Data shows about two-thirds of managers have coffee badged themselves <laughs> with another 6%... Who want to try it? <laughs> Just to give it a shot. Why not? Hey, they're all getting away with it. I might do some coffee badging Jeez, myself. Hey, jokes on us. Jokes on the rest of us. Well, one way you can get away with it, too, in terms of who notices who. Like here, we don't have desks. We have desks, but you don't have a desk. Yeah, so typically you float, if you will. Yeah, they call it hoteling. Yeah. So desks are supposed to be you know, unassigned, and they're just supposed to be open. So you, Eric and I get done with the show. We go upstairs. You plop down somewhere yeah. and then do some of your work in that office space. You know, I would prefer to have a desk. I like a home for my stuff, but this is what we do. What we run into now is some people sort of claim desks. Oh, yeah. So they're always in the same spot. I went up there yesterday. There was no desk for me. So I saw you in the cafeteria doing your work. That's where I ended up. Good thing you didn't coffee badge. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like coming to work for work, and I go home to do the work. Man, if looks could kill, boy, you were a little upset at me even <laughs> suggesting that. Well, and the problem with the hoteling with the desks is I don't like to plop at somebody's desk who's not here. They're like, well, she's not here today. You can just sit there. Yeah, what's wrong nah, with that? No, man, that's like, somebody, that's like an Airbnb. That's somebody else's house. You don't have to use their stuff. You don't right. have to use their coffee cup. They don't cup. want their kids staring back at me. They got pictures <laughs> up. Like, If it's an empty desk, I'll plop there. If it's somebody else's desk, that's something mm. else entirely. Another bad team coming into Fiserv Forum tonight. How the Bucks will get up for the four-win Spurs. Brandon has sports at 645. Update on the Christmas tree situation. So you remember this story? You oh, were I all, remember. You were all hot to trot about this, right? It was my one of my favorite stories of late this year. It was a fun story, yep, yep. Because it story. had finger pointing and blaming, and it showed some dysfunction. <laughs> it had Bob Bauman frustrated. Right, yelling at people. <laughs> Milwaukee Other members Alderman. of the Common Council piling on. So they're frustrated because uh, we had learned recently that, hey, this year you're going to ha- if you live in Milwaukee, you'd have to bring your Christmas tree, if you have a real tree, to one of the recycling centers to, to dispose of it. You couldn't throw it at the curb like the city had been doing for so many years. And that was a, a change. Apparently the city had been violating Department of Natural Resources yeah. rules for decades, only learned of it, but we found out they learned of it early last year. And apparently that message didn't trickle down to various other decisions. Yeah, so ultimately here we are with the 
Department of Public Works said, hey, yeah, you're going to have to drive them over there. And everyone was like, what? How's that going to happen? There's going to be trees all over. Well, the mayor now responding to it. Mayor Cavalier Johnson was on WDTMJ Now with Stephen Carroll yesterday. And he said, hey, it's it's my bad. I was not uh, pleased with the fact that the Department of Public Works did not get that information out um, sooner. But ultimately, the buck stops with me. And so I take responsibility. So he's owning it. He fell on his tree. As opposed to fell on <laughs> yeah, his sword. Very right? good. Yeah. Well, and it was suggested as well. Bauman was on that. Did the mayor's office know? So it was just, ultimately it came down to a bunch of people in city government not talking to each other, hmm. not communicating Amazing. out. Amazing. Right? Amazing. And we should mention, the city is going to pick up trees yes, at the curb yes. they in the new year. They have switched it, yes. So you can still do it on the curb like you always have all these years. They figured it out. 638 in Wisconsin's Morning News. At 6.42, Wisconsin's Morning News. At the same time, we're celebrating lower gas prices as the holiday travel season is upon us. Watch carefully for energy costs on the rise into the new year. This is all tied to the Israel-Hamas war, E. I've got good news and bad news. All right. Let me do the good good news first. Please. Is that okay for yes. you? Okay, good news first. Gas prices just north of about two forty a gallon in the Milwaukee area right now. It's less than we were paying a year ago. Gas prices are now at their lowest of 2023, a nice little holiday gift. In fact, they're about $0.07 cents a gallon below where they were last year heading into Christmas, according to the Energy Department. It's been due to lower demand for oil, but oil prices have rebounded a bit in the last week, so the drops may begin to level out. It's ABC News on that. So on the horizon, though, the potentially bad news. Not just gasoline, but energy prices overall, because this could affect shipments of natural gas to many other things. You had it in the news. The rebels backed by Iran are launching drone and missile attacks on civilian ships in the Red Sea. Sounds like a faraway place. But commercial vessels making their way to the Suez Canal, 10% of the world's trade passes through the Red Sea. British oil company BP says it will temporarily pause all transits through the Red Sea, including shipments of oil and natural gas. Some of the biggest shipping companies are now taking a detour, going around Africa. That means delays and higher costs. How many miles that adds to the trip? (laughs) That's a big continent. Break out a map one time, break out the globe and see... How much longer and how much more? humongous. Right, that would take if they can't get through the Suez Canal. So what are we going to do about that? This morning, we've launched Operation Prosperity Guardian. Okay, that's uh, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin announcing this multinational task force that will provide protection to commercial vessels in the Red Sea. That operation is bringing together more than a dozen countries from around the world to conduct joint patrols in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. But if you want to know what this looks like, remember back in 21, a ship got stuck in the, I think it was in the canal, right? Oh yeah, for weeks, right? Yes, blocked all that shipping through there, snarled already strained supply chains during COVID. So this could disrupt severely international trade. So whether or not you've got a package on one of these ships that was supposedly headed to your house becomes irrelevant because somehow some way that affects this whole global trade right and again if you're diverting ships out of the red sea and down down under africa in order to get to their destination that can affect everything in terms of cost that is if operation prosperity guardian is less than prosperous 645 brandon snide has sports next 
time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Bucks have won 13 straight home games and will look to make it 14 with a visit from the San Antonio Spurs tonight. Tip off between the Bucks and Spurs set for 7 p.m. Week 15 of the NFL season concluded on Monday night with the Seattle Seahawks scoring a touchdown with less than 30 seconds left to stun the Philadelphia Eagles as they go on for the primetime win, 20-17. And lastly, Milwaukee Brewers closer Devin Williams was named to the 2023 All-MLB second team. This marks the second time Williams has been named to the All-MLB team 2020, marking his first appearance. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The Green Bay Packers entered this season with seemingly more questions than answers. Defense, special teams, play calling, tackling, coaching, all things that had me as a Packers fan concerned going into this season and, well, for the most part, still have me concerned going forward. But what you may notice on that list is that quarterback Jordan Love was left off of it. Since that home game against the LA Rams in early November, Love has, without a doubt, turned the corner and answered maybe the largest question of this offseason. During this span, he has tossed a 14 touchdowns, just three interceptions, and posting over a 102 passer rating while completing over 67% of his passes. In other words, consider the future of Green Bay solidified. In a season where so many injuries have left this offense scratching their heads looking for answers, there has been one constant, and it has been maybe at the most crucial position in all of sports. It's definitely a youth movement in Titletown, and over the span of this year, six different rookies have now caught a touchdown pass from Love. Six, by far, the most around the National Football League. It's also worth noting that he's also doing all of this without his all-pro left tackle in David Bakhtiari. His top running back, Aaron Jones, has been hurt a majority of this season, and his number one wide receiver in Christian Watson has missed multiple weeks. He's in maybe the toughest spot for a guy who needs to deliver and prove that he belongs than anyone else throughout the National Football League, and he's done exactly that. With all of the issues rising in Titletown, love should be nowhere near your top level of concern when it comes to not only this season, but for seasons to come. Jordan Love, your quarterback of today, tomorrow, and, well, maybe the next 10 years. At 6.53, we bring in friend of the program, Lori Nickel, two-time sports writer of the year for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Morning, Lori. Good morning. So, Brandon's had it in sports. (laughs) We've been talking about it since yesterday afternoon. Head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur, is a loyal person. And loyalty, I generally believe, is a great trait in human beings. But one can be loyal to a fault. Are we at that point as he is sticking with his guy on defense, Joe Barry? That, that to me, is the question right now of the entire season because Joe Barry was on the hot seat even a year ago. Um, but... What's interesting is if you look at this from a bird's eye view and you look at what the players said after the game, the defensive players, and they put it out there, you know, we got out schemed (laughs) and there were massive communication problems that were basic communication problems. You don't want to lose the the players. You don't want to lose um, the effort and the intensity and the scheming and the game planning. And if they're not buying in or if they're putting it out there, um, there weren't a whole lot of guys talking about, you know, mistakes they made or, or fundamental um, execution errors that they made. It was 
more putting it on what are we doing out here. And there's also the question, of course, of who would Matt LaFleur promote if he did fire Joe Barry in season. He doesn't have, you know, this obvious stand-in, and he doesn't have a defensive consultant like a lot of teams have hired. But it kind of it, – it's this to me is like it's, it's his first, a real stressor in season, and I don't think he's ever fired anybody in season. So I, to me, it's a lot, it's a very, it's a huge question mark. And I just wonder if he's being too loyal at this point. You know, the fact that you picked up on that of the player, uh, of the players sort of talking about scheme and things like that. Like I, I think about it like anybody else's workplace you know when folks at the coffee closet and wherever else or even externally are talking about, hey, what are your bosses doing over there? What's going on over there? These guys have to know that every fan in Wisconsin is calling for his head. And if they start to question changes not being made, that's that can get ugly in a hurry. Yeah, I don't think they were questioning the co- the coaching change, but they weren't, but they were putting that out there. And you know what, though, that you, you triggered something that I kind of admire the fact, though, that Matt LaFleur wouldn't fire somebody because that's what the fans want, you know? <laughs> because, <laughs> right, because we want a lot of things. I mean, right, right. Yes, you do. And that should never happen. That's a very, like, that's what an older coach, like, you know, Greg Popovich in the NBA would be like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I don't care. Maybe Matt LaFleur isn't worried about his own job. Maybe he knows he has his own security. I mean, a lot of times the firing like this in season is just to literally protect yourself um, because the fort is breaking down, you know, and people are coming at you and, and you have to make this example. So maybe Matt knows that he's kind of got this year that he can um, have some security. I don't know if that's a safe thing to think, but maybe to me that's, you know, Matt's going to be loyal. He's not going to be known as the guy who's going to fire you. Um, and and move on, and maybe that plays well to his next hire as well. But you know, it's a it's interesting. I think it's very tough to make that decision to look at somebody and say, you know, you're the reason that we're not making the playoffs <laughs> this year. But he's got to do it. I mean, I, nobody can see how Joe Barry can survive this. And to me, it's like just do it now because you still have to keep the attention of those players. You have to have the respect of those players and whether you groom somebody else or bring them along. I don't understand why the decision, you know, wasn't made as cruel and heartless as it is. This is a business. You know that these things happen. Hey, I wanted to ask you about a piece that you've been working on, a sophomore running back for Marquette University. Tommy Novotny has a really interesting family story that, that you've been working to highlight. Yeah, thank you for that opportunity. Marquette, um, high school won the state championship, and their star running back is a 16-year-old sophomore with uh, 10 siblings who are adopted, and um, at least two dozen foster siblings, probably more. And what's really cool about his story is when he was born, um, he kind of fell through the system, of the child welfare system. He, five weeks, he didn't have a home. He was really sick. He had breathing problems that needed breathing treatments throughout his young life, asthma. They were worried about lung issues. He had other health conditions. And even when they fixed the hernia of his, they sewed his intestines together. So here he was, this young child for like 12 years who had intestines that weren't working. And now he's this phenomenal, incredible five foot nine running back and a great basketball player, too. And the reason is, is his mom, Ann Novotny, 
um, is they call her St. Anne at Marquette High School. And it's just a really, really cool story of what she's done, the selflessness, um, the ability to take in a lot of kids. She's a, a social worker, so that's not a surprise. Um, many of her kids are special needs. Her five-year-old son has cerebral palsy. Uh, he goes with her everywhere. Um, she's 57 years old, a bundle of energy. And I, the reason I wanted to do this story this particular week is that just it's all, you know, you give kids a, a loving, stable environment at home and look at what they can overcome. And, you know, the Tommy Novotny story, it's going to be long, but if you're willing to read it, I appreciate it because, He's such a humble kid, and he's worked so hard. Um, he changes his brother's feeding tube. He takes after his sister, you know, um, takes care of his, his severely autism 22-year-old sister. He's a really incredible kid. Sounds like a story that is worth every column inch, Lori. Thanks so much. <laughs> much appreciated. Thank you.